Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area for being A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area for being our sponsor because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hello everyone. Welcome to Modern Love and we're going to take you on a different journey tonight in talking about modern love and that is love of family, love of parents and children. And we are going to really do everything we can with our special guest tonight to help you whether you are a grandparent, a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a godparent, or anyone who has children in your life. And I think that's about all of us. I've got those children and godchildren, and they're all extremely precious. But what do these three things have in common? Love, money, and parenting. They're the three most important things that we handle in our lives, and they are the three things for which we have absolutely no freaking preparation. We are expected to magically, somehow by osmosis, know how to create a great love life, how to magically handle money without any real training or expertise. About 15% of people get any kind of premarital coaching, get any kind of training with money and fewer than that get training in parenting so our guest tonight dr adam kleinberg is going to talk about wellness for stressed out parents children are more likely these days to grow up in households in which parents work if it's a two-parent household both parents single-parent household generally that's That parent is working. I certainly was that single mom. And stress doesn't begin to describe it at the end of the night. I used to tuck my children into bed, read them their stories, say their prayers, sing their bedtime song, and then I would close the door to their room and I would do the victory dance because my day had finally come to an end. So we're going to talk with Adam Kleinberg. Dr. Adam is going to give us some information that is extremely valuable so that you can be part of the village it takes to raise children. And we all have those kids somewhere in our village. So, Dr. Adam Kleinberg, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Brenda. I just wanted to thank you so much for having me. What an honor. Oh, it's a pleasure, and what an important topic. Now, you've written a book called Shine Your Love on the World, Letters to My Daughters. 
tell us how you got interested in parenting work. Well, I have three daughters of my own. My eldest girl just turned 10, and I have identical twins that are 8 oh. years old. Oh, honey, your hands are full. I <clears throat> Those are the <laughs> most five common words I hear. Your hands must be full. Isn't that yes. funny? And are they? They are, most certainly. Yeah. <laughs> I have two so, daughters, and I know that, you know, raising daughters, and I have two stepsons, raising daughters is its own journey, and I was so shocked how different girls are from boys. But we'll talk about that later. How did you get involved in parenting work? Well, you know, again, with three girls of my own, I it started by, uh, well, I'd always been interested in writing. Uh, I'd, I'd outlined several books, and nothing just touched my heart where I was compelled until I had kids. Uh, and then I had a, a, a very serendipitous meeting with Chris Carlson, who has continued her husband Richard Carlson's legacy. He's most famous for the book, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, and It's All Small Stuff. Uh, I met her at a party in Capitola, California, and uh, after finding out uh, that she was Richard's wife, I told her, well, what a fan of Richard's work I am. I'd love to meet him. I'm an aspiring author, and she informed me that he had passed away three years prior. Now, that was 2009. And uh, Richard at the time was 45 years old. He was healthy. He was fit. He was handsome and wealthy. He had a beautiful wife and two teenage daughters, and he had an aneurysm on a plane on his way to New York to promote his 20th book on the talk shows. And when I found that out, it hit me that I had a three-year-old and two one-year-olds, and I wanted to take as much wisdom and knowledge and love and put that on paper for my own daughters across the board in all topics. Uh, And that's really how uh, this book was birthed. So I get how the book was birthed, and that's a beautiful story because it certainly is a call to action for all of us to make the most of our time, and especially if we're parents. Now, we're talking about wellness for stressed-out parents. What are some of the stories from your own history in parenting? Oh, boy. Well, in battling stress, uh, you know, I've taken a multidisciplinary approach for a long time, and uh, I mean that word a little differently than it's conventionally used. Uh, My personal approach for quite some time now has been a combination of chiropractic care, and that is my profession now. I've been in practice for 17 years, but I've been a patient for 35 years. Uh, So between chiropractic care, being a long-time vegetarian slash vegan, about 25 years now, meditating now for about 25 years, and keeping an exercise regime, those four things have served me in an exponential way, in a synergistic way uh, that allows me, I think, to cover the physical, the mental, the emotional, and the spiritual bases of sort of why we get as stressed out as we do. Yeah, that makes complete sense to me. I'm a huge fan of that kind of, I call it, integrative approach. Because if we leave any one of those four quadrants out, we're really not taking care of ourselves as whole beings. Now, what does that have to do with parenting? (laughs) Well, uh, when we're addressing our children, we want to do so in the most loving way possible. We want to do so in the most constructive way possible. And 
to use an analogy, just like when you're flying and they say if there is a drop in pressure uh, and the masks come down, please place your own mask on before helping anybody else. And so with that same philosophy, if we're not taking care of ourselves properly, then we cannot optimally take care of others. Hmm. So what you're saying is that parents need to take care of themselves to be good parents. And I couldn't agree more. I know that parents who are stressed out are more likely to lose it. My own mother, bless her heart, she just passed away recently. But God my bless mom you. was thank you. My mom was a classically under supported, stressed out person. My dad worked three jobs. There were seven of us and my mom was a teacher, so she went to work to a classroom full of kids and we were pretty much a classroom full when she got home. Because there were <laughs> wow, eight seven of people. you. Yeah. Six daughters. How about that? My and goodness. Son. God bless. Yeah. So the key here is that my mom was a big screamer, yeller, and, you know, very negative in how she parented and, frankly, abusive. And it wasn't until I became a psychologist I looked back and went, oh, she had all the symptoms of depression. Of course. She was irritable. She was angry. She was negative. She was exhausted and depressed. So how do we keep parents from going down that road? Because it's very damaging to children. Oh, I I couldn't agree more. You know, the way that parents self-sacrifice to the point of not realizing that they're going to break down whether physically, mentally, or emotionally, you know, and that leads to spiritual breakdown as well. And, again, there is some discipline involved. There's no doubt it takes time to meditate. It takes time to prepare healthy food. It takes time to visit your wellness practitioners, whether chiropractic, acupuncture, getting regular massage. It also takes finances. And who isn't stressed out about money these days with this economy and the political landscape, et cetera, et cetera? You know, but... It's one step at a time. You know, it really is. And, you know, just like Tony Robbins or any of the other, you know, sort of uh, coaches, just life coaches or those positive people where you're looking for, for influence, they will all say the same thing. Or whether it's Jack Canfield or, you know, uh, any of the spiritual disciplines, it's regular work on a day to day basis that creates a habit. You know, even Gandhi said it, right? Our thoughts become our actions, our actions become our habits, our habits become our life. So in looking to create a habit, it's drawing a line in the sand. It's putting your foot down and saying, okay, I'm going to wake up five minutes early and meditate in the morning. And I'm going to do the same thing in the afternoon, five minutes. Everybody's got five minutes, even if it's go in the bathroom if you don't have to go and sit there and meditate for five minutes and no one's going to have any questions at the office. Now, for those who aren't familiar with meditation or you think, gee, that's some weird Eastern practice, (laughs) mindfulness, mindfulness simply or meditation or focusing or mental break, whatever you choose to call it, what you're doing is you're, you're getting out of that mode of 
rushing, 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 where your body feels so tight. And when it's tightened up like that, you all know what I mean. The shoulders are up and your stomach is clenched and you suddenly go, wow, you know, my jaw hurts. Yeah, because that's because you're clenching your jaw and grinding your teeth. So you want to let that go because it doesn't feel good. And then it makes you a cranky parent. And no child deserves to be at the mercy of a cranky parent. So just go online. I'm going to recommend a website that I think is great. It's called the Finders Course, and it gives you six different ways to meditate. One of them will work for you, whether it's following the breath or whatever it is. Not everybody can do, you know, emptying the thoughts and do the Zen approach. It takes a lot of practice to get there. And we Western minds, we're too busy. We've got these minds that are jumping around like drunken monkeys, as they say in India. And it's really important that you find a way, even if you just close your eyes for five minutes. And as Adam said a minute ago, breathe. Sure, and I don't think I'm going to soften up. Go ahead. I th- thank you. I tell people to just watch their thoughts. The way Eckhart Tolle, the author of The Power of Now and A New Earth, uh, puts it, he says, uh, in meditation, you're watching the thinker. You are the thinker, and you're just becoming aware. People think they have to empty their mind Absolutely. and have Absolutely. Now, one of the things that's important about this, we don't want to overwork meditation, just go learn to do it, everybody, but the important thing here is what is the benefit to you and to the children in your life if you're a more relaxed person. Perfect. What is the benefit to the children? I'm asking you, Dr. Adam. Oh, my goodness. I mean, where where do you start? Uh, You're able to give more love. You're able to have more patience, you know. How many times do we – I'm guilty as well. I'm not the Buddha just yet. Uh, How many times (laughs) – Do we explode at the kids because it's something else that we lost our patience with? It's not really them. When we look at them, we realize we were exactly the way they were when we were their age. All children make the same mistakes. So why do we keep punishing them for it? Yeah, and they're not mistakes. I really want to go. Uh, Children are making mistakes or just they have an incomplete brain. Their brain looks nothing like an adult brain. Now, I'm the brain scientist over here. i got to weigh in. <laughs> it looks nothing like an adult brain. So Agreed. they can't think things through. They can't, you know, not drop or fumble because their little brains and their little bodies aren't finished. The brain isn't Thank finished until so they're much. 25. So, so when much. we when we yell at them or lash out at them, there's a whole cascade that happens in their bodies. And one of the things, I know you know this research, Dr. Adam, uh, right here in San Francisco we have a wonderful pediatrician, Dr. Nadine Burke, who found that children who are high in what she calls ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, ACEs, they they aren't the kinds of ACEs you want to hold in your hand. These children grow up with early onset diseases that become chronic in their adult life, like hypertension, obesity, diabetes, Mm. asthma, ADHD. So please take what Dr. Adam is saying seriously, everyone, because we damage our children 
when we create trauma, when their little brains and bodies don't feel safe. And it can be very serious if this is repeated. So now, what are the best things? Parents should meditate. They should exercise. They should see their wellness practitioner. What are the best things that parents can do on the day-to-day when their schedules are just so full? What are some of the other things they can do to support themselves that will help them? Well, I think diet is so important. You know, we've become a very obese nation. Uh, It's an epidemic. Uh, It's an epidemic for children as well. I quote really insane statistics uh, in my book um, just about childhood obesity, Uh, you know, even as early under age five, you know, and then ages five to 11. It's just, it's crazy uh, what's happening. Uh, And so, you know, in leading by example, and it does take a little discipline with food. I try to shop once a week and prepare the food when I get home so it's ready for the week. You know, so the vegetables are chopped and the fruits are cleaned and, uh, and I'm ready to go. And that's very empowering. You know, and when you make it through a week like that and you realize how easy it was because you took the time to set it up. And, you know, now, how did your own family shape some of these habits that you are recommending to other families and to people who have children in their lives? Uh, you know, my family did not. Uh, I was uh, injured at about nine years old, didn't realize it. It was very minor at the time, but by age 14, I had a degenerated disc in the lower part of my spine, and my aunt took me to her chiropractor, and I have introduced my family to chiropractic. My younger brother and cousin are both chiropractors now as well. Um, as far as vegetarianism, I found that on my own. At age 18, I started changing my diet, and after some self-education, realized that it was more in alignment with how I wanted to live my life. Uh, in regard to exercise, it always just came natural. I just think we wanted to look good for the ladies. You know, I grew up in New York City and uh, pursued an acting career in my early years um, and wanted to look good and wanted to feel good. You know, it only made sense to me to exercise. Uh, my dad was pretty fit, you know, so he definitely uh, introduced me to that. Uh, and then in regard to um, meditation, that's also something that I found on my own. Um, right before I had started my prerequisites for chiropractic school in the early 90s, I just became very interested after just, you know, coming upon the subject. Well, I'm curious, how did, your, how did your chiropractic intervention when you were a kid help the degenerative disc? Uh, I, I'm just curious, how did that work? <laughs> well, at age 14, the body has a lot more recuperative power than for adults. So for me, uh, as long as I continue maintaining my spine, I mean, I haven't been in pain for years. You know, I feel very fortunate to be able to brag a little bit that in the last 30 years, I've been lucky enough to not have any traumas, no car accidents, no bad falls, no broken bones or anything like that, no surgeries. Um, but I have not been to a medical doctor's office or had a prescription or over-the-counter drug. Great. Now, I've got to keep you moving here because I want to go back to children for a minute. How do you transform your children from illness to wellness in six steps? Because I know you've got six steps. I want to make sure we get those in. Absolutely, one step at a time. So the first is, I think, to lead by example. You have to start with yourself before you expect children to see that the model is working. Uh, I think that when they see you not only healthier but happier, then that's a very attractive thing for children. Wow, mom's more calm. Oh, wow, dad seems so much more patient. 
You know, so I think the first step is to lead by example. Okay, so we lead by example. What are the rest? Yeah. Everybody, you Second, can write these down or listen to the podcast again. Keep going, Dr. Adam. Second step is begin to implement, right? We have to start somewhere. So it's picking a day, it's picking a time, it's informing the family, and, you know, taking it from there. You know, I, again, if let's just use, you know, meditation as an example, um, you know, if you're starting with five minutes and, you, you know, you find that it's beneficial, you've created a habit in 30 days, then it's time to introduce the kids to it. Hey, we're going to do this for two minutes of your time. And depending on, on the age of the child, you know, so it's got to be beginning the implementation. Um, okay, so we're going to implement. What's next? Uh, you know, the next is continually educate yourself. You know, and I think part of that is there's a lot of information out there and a lot of it I believe to be misinformation. So really being able to continue to educate oneself and be discerning about the sources, the reasonableness and logic of the information that you're gathering. So how do you know if the information is solid and sound or not? Because it's really easy to skew data, I know, because I was a researcher. And sometimes, you know, there were people who, I certainly didn't do it, but there were people who would just really want that data to match their hypothesis. How do you know what's sound? Is there a resource that you recommend? You know, I don't have one particular resource. What I typically try to see is, is the person that is um, bringing this information for, you know, to, to light, how much do they have to profit from the product or the uh, thing that they're recommending? You know, for instance, let's just take the pharmaceutical companies for a moment. Uh, you know, ask your doctor about Celexa. Ask, you know, the amount of profit that's going in. There used to be some checks and balances in the system meaning those who did the research couldn't profit and promote and say the product is safe if they have the ability to profit from it. And those ethics and morals have dissipated greatly over the last several decades. And that used to be something that was illegal, and now it just seems to be wide open. Uh, similarly right. with, the, you know, with the banks. And so Glass I'm going to bring you back to your points because we're running short on time. I want to make sure we get all your points. And the first thing is lead by example, then we're going to implement that we're going to mm-hmm. educate, and then what's next? We've got three more. You know, I think it's continue to be diligent, and that's finding the discipline to continue along the lines that you've chosen for at least 30 days to try to create a habit. Mm-hmm. So we could call that one create a habit. All right, so we're going to create the habit and? Review and reflect. Now hmm. we have to break down what we just did. And it's, again, being open to the fact that it is a process in finding what is right for you. What works for your next-door neighbor may not work the same for you. Everyone's body is different, so we really have to keep, you know, track of that fact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, and finally? Be open to suggestion and be open to new ways. You know, I'll quote Einstein in saying the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Right. So we've got to stay open. Okay, so we're going to lead by example, implement, educate, be persistent, reflect, be open to new ways, 
So that's one, two, three, four, five, six steps, everybody, that you can take to transform your children from illness to wellness. And obviously, Dr. Adam, you're saying this is something that we also want adults to do. Now, what is your greatest, when you talk about turning your greatest losses into gifts, what is your advice about that? You know, this is a spiritual subject. Everything that happens in our lives, they say, whoever they are, right, happens for a reason, or it's karma, that big word. You know, it is what it is. And it really is our perception of things that dictates how we feel and then the actions that we take in accordance with those feelings. So if we can take a moment and not judge what's happening at the moment because we haven't seen the complete unfolding of what that thing is, whether good or bad, or how we judge it to be good or bad. You know, I'm certain that nearly everyone in your audience and you and me, you know, all of us, we've had a time where we had an experience, we thought it was going to be horrible, we worried terribly about it, and the outcome wasn't even a fraction as bad as we thought it was going to be. And the amount of stress that we caused in our minds that then transferred into the chemicals that were released into our body and the stress response and then how we acted, you know, if we are in the moment, we accept what's happening to us instead of blowing up about it if it's a bad thing and then not being too jubilant when something's supposed to be so good because then when it didn't turn out, we felt horrible about it. So it's taking it all in stride, just a little bit at a time, not judging it, trying to accept what it is at the moment. And I think that that can lead to so much less stress, so much less violent action. Uh, you know, and that goes back to, again, how we're dealing with our own children and our families. Mm-hmm. Now, in your letters to your daughters, what is the most important thing that you share in letters to your daughters? Well, wow, that's a great question. The most important Uh, I think is that if they can, it it probably goes along with what I was just saying. Um, I have um, a poem that I wrote for, uh, for the second book. I'd I'd love to, that I think can can encapsulate in 30 seconds because it's a sonnet. Exactly what you're, what you're asking me. Do you mind if I recite? Go right ahead. You are the peaceful center. The cyclone rages round. There is no fear within you. Only love inside can be found. Your heroic hearts will lead you to peace from life so momentary. Imprint your mark upon this world and enjoy the illusionary. You are a soul of burning fire. Divine abides within. If you are to live like gods and act like gods, to your dreams you must listen. So find your living truth, my dear angels. And to it be devoted. Destiny beckons your grandest greatness, and that's all that need be noted. Hmm, lovely. So you're inspiring your daughters to see themselves not just as flesh and blood, but to connect with this light and this energy within them and to live from that center. That's really beautiful, Adam. So you get the last word. This is the Modern Love Radio Show. What would you want to say to all of our parents about also having a love life? 
that works. <laughs> you know, again, it's, it, it, when when children see that and they see the type of relationship that you have, they're gonna they're gonna model it, they're gonna match it. You know, and we all want the best for our children. So, you know, again, it's it's hard. I'm not saying that it's not difficult to find the kind of love that you're looking for, uh, that it's not difficult to have the patience, you know, in that relationship, especially in front of the kids, right? How often do we, you know, sort of at our at our significant others uh, in front of the kids and, you know, we could see their reactions, you know, and that becomes part of what they accept. So, again, it's finding the discipline. It's, I, again, I know it's, it's not an easy thing, but when we take that moment before we react, just that split second, it makes all the difference. Great. And we are teaching our children to be better partners, better people, better family and community members. And it's worth whatever time it takes because, honestly, I remember Lee Iacocca, who was the head of GM for many years and became a legend, turning GM around and all that. And he wrote a book about his life. And in the book he said, I can't remember one of the business deals I did, and I did thousands of them. He said, but I can remember every single time I made it to one of my daughter's performances. Sometimes I had to fly in and have the helicopter land on the roof of her school. And when she looked up and saw that I was there, her face just broke out in a smile. So the most rewarding things we can do are about loving one another. So, Dr. Adam Kleinberg, thank you for sharing with us a way that we can be better at loving our children and all our modern lovers out there. You know, I am all about you building a library. Please pick up Dr. Adam's book. It's called Shine Your Love on the World. Letters to My Daughters, his website is www.shineyourlove.org. He has a foundation when you buy the book there. The money from the book goes into the foundation to help people become better parents. And I love that idea. All right, thanks again, Dr. Adam. Thanks to our wonderful producer, LeGrand Green, our associate producer, Cliff Dunning. And be with us next week. For those of you who are Downton Abbey fans, I certainly am. We're going to have Alicia Young, who's going to talk about the Downton Abbey effect, embracing the best part of the past. All right, love you all. Blessings. Good night. <laughs>